been away Haven't changed, had much to say But man, I still think them cats are crazy They were asking if you were around How you was, where you could be found I Told them you were living downtown Driving all the old men crazy Right, are you happy to be off of headphone duty now? <sighs> Thanks. I kind of want to get headphones just to have them, just so I can hear it. Yeah, yeah. Just so I can monitor myself. Yeah. Because you... now I'm talking louder than I did with the headphones. Right. It's a it's a very valuable experience wearing the headphones. I fucking hate it. It makes your mic technique better and stuff. I don't know if I could do the show without it anymore. Oh. I was nervous that you were going to be excited and want to be in the driver's seat. No, thank you. Uh, but I'm back, baby. You I'll do editing it. duty if you want. Well, th- you know what? That's actually nice. I'm glad you brought that up because there will be times now it's a little more flexible, right? Because if I don't have time to do it or something. It doesn't take me that now long. Now we can do double duty. And I can do all these fun things now. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. Oh. Now that you've got it locked down, you know how to upload it. I'm excited for that. That's good. I can insert sound effects, change music. Bitch, please. Yeah, yeah. You got it. I can set the tone. <laughs> tone setting. Yes. That's actually my only job I've ever been good at. Uh, but now we're back. The boys are back. Welcome to Actual Green and yeah, Lewis. Yeah, Actual Green and Lewis is back. Cheers, buddy. Clink. That was a shitty clink. Yeah, but, it was. That's okay. Whatever. Um, yeah, we're going to return to our roots on this episode. Fast shaming Lizzo and no. talking about Bernie Sanders. No, absolutely not. We're doing, <laughs> we're doing one of those things because you have stories, but yeah. we're not doing the first thing. Okay, okay. that's That'll be the only mention of it for the rest of the show. Uh, I'm feeling in a kind-hearted mood anyway. Did you actually listen to the second episode where we discussed Infinifat? Uh, I you think didn't I, make it that far. No, I do think I heard the Infinifat part, but that, that was right when I uh, checked out. <sighs> Can you explain that for me? People know. don't know what their size is, so they just call themselves Infinifat because it, like the number scales drop off so much that right. they're like, I don't know, I'm just comfortable with my body, I'm Infinifat. I'm like, girl. Yeah, I mean, that sounds incredibly pejorative. But to yourself. That's, yes, I know. That's a, that's a self-shame. Oh, it's a cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, wait, but it's supposed to be a point of pride. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. It's like, we're taking back sizeism. It's, I can be whatever size I am. It's like, you are all the sizes, technically. Well, yeah, all the sizes combined into one. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're, well, multiply by two to the, you know, third degree. I'm. You're a rainbow coalition. Oh Jesus! Of sizes. Purple is. Grimace. Forty. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, yes. Yeah. Look, I thought you didn't want to talk about fat shaming on this episode. We're not but... fat shaming lizard. We're, I'm just like I. I don't understand anyone who's like I want to reclaim by being infinite. It's like. What? Yeah, that's pretty bad. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't think of a proper analogy right like, now. But no part of you should want to be infinite. Your ego should not be infinite, right? Um, your you know no part of it, like you know like you don't want to silicone pump your dick to be infinite because you know what that's not great either. Like there's a lot of things that should not be taken to their limits, right? Well, funny you should mention that. I was going to go the other direction with dick size. Like the guys on the small dick problem subreddit, they don't call themselves infinismal. And if you called them that, they would kill themselves. Well, because you can't, it it can only be a power greater, like, you know, in, in the, like, what's the Eames thing? The powers of 10? Yes. Like, it can only get bigger, smaller, like, it, there's infinitesimal. 
Uh, yeah, well, the smallest unit of measurement is called the Planck. The Planck scale. Ew. A Planck is the smallest thing you can be. So, so if someone calls you a Planck dick, you're just yeah. like, excuse <laughs> yeah. me? Yeah, they're not talking about plankton. They're talking about something that's trillions of size, uh, sizes smaller than an atom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I've been there, done that, but, uh, you know... Um, no, that like it doesn't work in the reverse. This is why the, like yeah. the infinite- infinitesimal should not be a scale of actual measurement. Well, and yet, like you or said, relatability. About, like you said about ego, it shouldn't be a matter of pride. No, you should infinite hate... anything is bad. I think we can all agree on that. There's there's really no situation in which you that watch a much abundant abundance is um, a plus. Like unchecked power yes. is bad. Unchecked wealth is bad. This will be a leader for. Uh-huh. you um you know unchecked anything where it just is allowed to grow beyond is like we all watch stranger things we don't want the like demon dogs to come out of like the you know scary yeah, hell right. vagina to like take us over like yeah. it's unchecked anything is bad nobody all wants things... an infinifat mind flare i don't even <laughs> title of up um <laughs> but like yeah you all good things in moderation yeah except for maybe red wine five nights a week or you know why you gotta talk about me <laughs> i was good while you're gone you were I, good really i only had like three bottles of wine yeah and a lot of sodies uh-huh but that's like two at a time because i would fall asleep during the second one yeah when i'm not around drinking with you you're a pretty responsible drinker i give you a hard time i just but, fall asleep but you're a two and out kind of guy you like to unwind at night yeah like a housewife truly maybe a couple glasses of red these days it's spiked seltzy if it's summertime, you're going to go too white, and then you're out. You're done. White, I'll drink the... White's the only thing. Like, red wine, I'm like, well, you know, it can it can, it can, can hold. You know, white wine goes bad. Mm-hmm. You can't recap white wine. Oh, that's not true. It's like, fine for a day or whatever. Follow the bit, bitch. Vodka goes bad after you open it. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Christ. No, but, like, it is true, like, if you do have white wine, like, and you let it go to room temperature and then recoil recool it after it's been open you're like yeah it's not it just tastes gross it gets skunky ish it's not the same as like a beer but well like a gruner gets bad yeah like a gruner you just it's cold all the time and then you're fine but you know what to me it starts to taste like pear juice or something it gets a little like it's too thick it gets syrupy and i don't like that yeah no anyway nobody likes a syrupy beverage except for the coca-cola at mcdonald's it's the best version of it you know, man, I was lied to at McDonald's yesterday. I got McDonald's at the airport on the way home. Okay. As as one is wont to do. Yeah. And I went for their sweetened or unsweetened tea. You got sugar and tea. And big surprise. It was extremely sweet. Your entire mouth was dehydrated yeah, in 12 it, seconds. It was yeah. disgusting. And yeah. I'd just gotten off a plane where I hadn't had that much uh, beverage at all. Mm. You know. You didn't drink on the day plane? No. Alcohol drink? Yeah. No, I had a, I had a couple of regular Celsius, but no, I don't like to drink on planes, to be honest with I you. I love drinking Is on that planes. weird? I think a lot of people like it, but I'm really not into it. If I have to go to a place where I know I don't have to do any driving whatsoever, I'm like, this is all caveat depending on the time. I fly early as fuck. Yeah. If I'm an afternoon flyer and I'm like, I'm going to land and it's going to be noon where I'm going. Like if I go to LA and I'm like, oh, it's right. noon. Gin and tonic? Don't mind if I too. But if it's going to be like 10 a.m., I'm like, well, can't do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Because that's shameful. Right. But I will have a beer at noon, their time. Uh Uh-huh. Even though it's really 4 o'clock. You you know, I like an airport drink, but I do not like an airplane drink. 
That's almost regardless of time of day, because I don't like being trapped in my chair. I mean, I, you know how I am. If I'm drinking, I all of a sudden, I want to talk. I want to gesticulate. Yeah. I want to, like, be active. Mm. It makes me more extroverted. So being trapped in the introvert chair, like, next to a 300, well, an Infinifat man. Yeah. And, mm. you know, he's spilling a Coke on you or whatever. That's not a good time to be drunk. No. Or drinking, even. But also, like, you have to pee then. Yeah, And you're like, true. shoot me. Shoot me now. Like, I'll have, a, I'll get a little tipsy at the airport if I'm coming from Ohio to here. That's what I like to do as well. Because yeah. I can hold it for an hour. That's right. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, but a long flight something else entirely. I guess if you need to sleep, it doesn't hurt. You know, no, I've it doesn't done that. Work. Un- really? No, it works for me. Uh-uh. I did a red eye and, like, had, like, two gin tonics was like, there are Koreans watching things on an iPad and it's really <laughs> bright because they don't have night vision or whatever the fuck it's called. Right, right. I was mad. Oh, remember how I told you yesterday that I can't watch the movies on the airplane because of the AirPods? Yeah. Um, I don't know when airplanes are finally going to be updated for for Bluetooth technology. Never. But yeah, maybe 15 years from now. Mm. But I did the thing that Natalie mentioned, which is I watched half of a movie over somebody's shoulder by Jeez, subtitle. <laughs> so but it was Black it. Panther, which I'd already seen. So, oh. so you you're know. just watching the visuals and you're like, oh, that one. Oh. Yeah, yeah. No, but they had subs on for whatever reason, too. I don't know. Maybe they were ESL or something. I have no idea. I think most people are just used to watching movies with the subtitles on now well do you think that's like a contemporary phenomenon these days i i do it too because tv speakers are really shitty and maybe i'm just getting old and losing my hearing but it's not that it's also you're also on your phone at the same time so you can kind of look up and be like where are we at okay got it yep that's exactly because if you're like what did they just say and then you can just and just get the line and then just read the line not continue not paying attention but establish where you are yeah yeah you're right you're right that's why but it's hard to do like a parasite no, yeah, Because you know. actually have to sit there and be like, I'm reading. Shit. Right. <laughs> and I talked about this earlier tonight. It's like, you know, like, is Parasite that good or is it just the hype? And I'm like, no, well, the five minutes we watched was actually, like, kind of funny for the limited amount of information we got. Oh, no, it was, yeah, we should say we watched the five minutes opening scene and that was it. And it was funny. It was full of bits and it looked well shot. And oh it, yeah and it's like no leave the windows open free pesticide yeah exactly. and it's like that like you know reading that doesn't land as hard as if you no. were a korean speaker well, i'm sure and i have this problem too where i can't tell if acting in foreign language movies is good or not mm. because i you know you can't pick up as much of somebody's like vocal intonations especially in an a- asian tonal language like, it's a little bit easy if you're watching, like, a French movie or something. French, I can kind of understand because they also over-emote while they talk. Or German like, yeah. for me. Like, when we watch that World War II movie, like, I could tell the acting in that was pretty good. But like World War II movie? The one about Hitler and his bunker downfall. I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. Well, anyway. The point is that, like, I have a hard time, like, judging acting caliber. And also, like, I don't know what's funny in other cultures. And sometimes I think the jokes are, like, as close as the translation can be. <gasps> You've watched Amelie, right? No. Excuse me? No. You've never watched Amelie? That's like about a young girl. Is that the chocolate one? No, that's Chocolat. Oh, okay. Julia Pinoche tits out the entire movie. Amelie or Chocolat? Because I'm trying to check that Chocolat. out. Chocolat. Okay. Amelie is... I forgot, the... I forgot the actress's name, but it's just like this weird quirky... Like That's the actual origin of Manic Pixie Dream Girl, but she's French. Like, yeah, she's got the like, short, bu- short black bob and she's very pale. Yes, but she like goes throughout her life with a sense of wonderment um but like the way that they pace that movie lands every fucking time and even if you kind of have a glancing understanding of how french works right you're like Whoo! 
that was funny because <laughs> like the tone like the sure. way that every it's all timing yeah 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 which is like i guess like with asian asian ish things like i don't know I feel like Chinese movies, there's always over enunciation just based on like bad, like Kung Fu shit that we've right. yeah, that's been exposed to in the last. But like, you know, I feel like Crouching, t- Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, probably, I don't know, I've never watched it, but like, I'm sure there's a lot of dr- dramaturgy. Yeah, you know what? That's a really good example. There is, and it reads. Like, it's yeah. not hard to understand. But that's also like a very Western Asian director doing that. Right. You know, it, mm-hmm. um, you, Oh shit! Hang on, give me a second. I gotta, I gotta compiling, compiling. I haven't podcasted in a while, guy. Guys, at this point, Will is a better uh, all-around show host and podcaster than I he's need had, you to repeat that. He's had a lot of experience. I'm gonna get no. I'm gonna give it up to you. I thought you did a really good job on what I heard of the other episodes. <gasps> oh, thank you. It was great. Um, Except fuck, I was, I was thinking of something with Asian translations. Oh yeah, you know what it was? I watched that movie American Factory before yeah, yeah. I went on my trip, and yeah. I watched it again in L.A. because Nick hadn't seen it. Okay. Um, so the second time I was just on my phone the entire time mm. and I was reading about that movie and there's all these funny moments in it when the Chinese people, um, cause the premise of the movie is for those that don't know, it's like a American factory where half the workers are Chinese. It's been bought by a Chinese company and the other half of the workers are American. So there's all these funny scenes in the movie where the Chinese people talking amongst each other appear to be making fun of the Americans. Like there's a scene when they're watching these Americans work. That's just white people going like they're making fun of us. Well, no, it's well, I'm getting to that. But but there's a scene where like they're watching these Americans work and they've been complaining the entire time how slow the Americans are. And two of the Chinese people say to each other like, yeah, they're slow. They have fat fingers. (laughs) And so there's there's several moments like this in the movie. And I started reading about the production of it. And I found a Reddit thread where there was Chinese speakers who were talking about the movie. And they were like, listen, like. Yeah, those are funny in English, but yeah. like in the translation, like that's it's not precisely deader, yeah. what it means. It's much more dead. It's just that like fat is the equivalent of thick in Chinese. So if you translate it literally like that, it's going to sound funny, but that's not how they meant it. Yeah, you but know. that's this is why like a lot. I mean, this is why I always want I want to watch the farewell because I feel like that's kind of like the same kind of thing where there's a lot of like the Englishness versus Chinese translation or even man. I'm not familiar with that. What's that movie about? Aquafina and Grandma's dying, but no one's telling her. Oh yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, she won a globe, but then didn't do anything else. And I was like, huh. Um, like that looks like a tearjerker par excellence, but like it, it seems more relatable than Parasite. But like Parasite has bigger ambitions in terms of totally. class yes. structures. Um, because it's the farewell is a small movie. We talked about this off mic right about the small movie big movie big metaphor dichotomy of you know every year yeah yeah and like farewell would have swept the shit well, you know what farewell reminds me of something at the scale of like manchester by the sea or like there was there was a i think s- no i think nebraska, nebraska. is the actual corollary where it's it. like a yeah. small family movie yes. where it's tragic but it's comedic Sure, and it's also just kind of like a, it's a generational, slice of life. Yeah. It's not a very plot-driven movie. It's just sort of like things happen. But I mean, it is about cultural differences of like, but you know, Nebraska was a very like Americana cultural. What the fuck is that falling? Okay, candle. Um, Nebraska was very much like, oh, you moved to a city and now you're home and uh, right. dad's dying because it's... What was that Hawaiian movie with uh, George Clooney? Do you remember that? The Descendants? That's also an Alexander Payne movie. Oh, I thought Same. that was We Bought a Farm. <laughs> I think we bought a zoo 
Yeah, I think you're thinking of We Bought a Zoo. Whatever. That's a Kevin James movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> well. But yeah, Alexander Payne movies are kind of the par excellence of what you're talking about. Yeah. Where, where it's this small scale thing. It's very artful. And it's very well done. You know what? Noah Baumbach is kind of the like inheritor of this. If you're white and live in Park Slope. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's what Alexander Payne is like, too. I mean, he's a little more American. If you're white and live in Silver Lake. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, Silver Lake or Park Slope. At this point, what's the difference? You could teleport somebody, in my experience, this is a good segue in my L.A. time. You could teleport somebody from Silver Lake to Park Slope, and neither party would have any idea if it wasn't for the weather. True. (laughs) And the Well, no, because everybody, they both have cars. They both have kids. Yeah. Uh, you know, they both have a good brunch spot, and they're just gonna be like, "We went to Squirrel. Oh, we went to this place." Right? They both have five fifty cold brews. It's nitro Eat for some shit. reason. Yep. Nobody's really sure what that means. It just appears. And like no one needs it in California. No. This is the part about California that I don't say. Here's some nitro cold brew. I'm like, you will all move so fucking slow. It's true. You yeah. don't need cold brew, you fuckers. <laughs> you're not getting anything done faster because you're all just like, "Yeah, it's cool. Just smoke a bowl." You know. We had cold brew. Now we have to do everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got to tell you, man, the Cali vibes are real. And it's so it's so Sucks. funny working. You know, I didn't mind it, really. You kind of get in. I'm telling you, it, you know, I'm in a very vulnerable position right now. It's a good thing we're doing this tonight while I'm, like, not working yet. I'm still on the come down. Mm-hmm. I'm not all, like, hyphy New York style yet. I was going to make a joke about you being in a vulnerable position, about you being ass up and microphone down just, like, <laughs> just for okay. funsies. Yeah, I don't know. Sure. I'm just being bad. Sure. That's true. You know, fine. Uh, <laughs> With your mechanical arm. Um, oh, yeah. It's the debut of the arm here at Green and Lewis for me. Um, anyway, continue your story. Yeah. That's a bad joke. So uh, I'm telling you what, like the California vibes are really real because when the weather never changes and it's beautiful and like the environment is nice. No rush, bro. Yeah. And all the people are just chilling. Like I got on that wavelength easily after a day or two. Did you procure my things? I did, indeed. I, I got you a you, different yeah. kind of mint, but How yes, I got I got okay. quite a bit of them. We didn't go to MedMen. It was um, too hard to go to MedMen, but we oh, went to another well, one. I don't care. The dispensary experience was really it's weird. Odd. I, I'll I never like... get used to it because I just can't stop thinking about catching a felony for like having a small amount of, amount of marijuana. I mean, I think it's still like that in Ohio, but that's certainly how it was when I was growing you up. You have to have so. meth on you in Ohio. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's still pretty dicey out there for a lot of people. But anyway, yeah. So I was on the white Caucasian man. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. The the danger of it was never really that high. But I'm just saying, like, it was a much more serious crime even 10 years ago than going into a dispensary and being like, hey, how you doing? If you have a baggie full of ganj, it's a little different when you're just having your little, like, Altoid tin. Yeah, that's true. They're just kind of like, oh, you're not distributing that. That's, this is sad. You should want to get higher. And you're like, no, I want 0.5% THC. And they're like, child, just keep walking. Well, did you ever go, you never, you've never been to Colorado, right? (laughs) Your, your uh, west of the Mississippi experience is Las Vegas once in California. What? Three times? Three or four? I don't... I, I've lost count. Okay. Yeah. So anyway... I go well, to LA, I just do the thing, and then I don't know. Yeah. Well, so I remember the first time I went to Colorado after they legalized it, oh, being the okay. first state. I don't remember when that was. Probably 2010 or something. 
11 or 12 yeah it was in grad school that's what i mean so it was it was really early days and i remember getting all this medical marijuana from a dispensary not medical i guess or just legal marijuana from a dispensary Mm -hmm. and being really apprehensive when i went to the airport what Mm -hmm. was going to happen and of course nothing happens and nowadays absolutely nothing would happen i mean you could have a pound of marijuana in your bag and they're not going to do it they don't care they are not getting paid enough to give a shit no 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 yeah Anyway, can okay, so you're feeling your Cali vibes. Oh, I was, yeah. You're installing some stuff, and then you're just like living your best like life on Silver Lake. Well, it was a gr- it was a great life. We stayed in Little Armenia in Charles Bukowski's house. Was it actually Charles? It, it really he's was. He's in Pedro. Like this is what me and Erica like. We think he's Pedro based. So like, I don't know. He might have lived in more than one place, but I can totally vouch that this was the house. Was there a plaque? Uh, yes, there was, and it's, oh, okay. it's like a California historic monument or whatever. I can't remember. Why could if, you stay in a monument then? I can't remember if it was state or local, if local. it was L.A. or whatever, a county thing. But yeah, mm. there was a plaque. I have a picture of it. Yeah. I can show you the receipts. All right. okay. It was real. Um, we will need these for marketing purposes. And, and you know, the, the placard sealed the deal for me, but any doubt I had was dispelled when I talked to Angelinos in the area, and they were like, oh, yeah, he, or I guess just Bukowski fans. They just happened to be Angelinos, but they were like, oh, yeah, he, like, talks about DeLongpre, which is the name of the street, in his writing all the time. So, so Tom DeLong comes oh, out of DeLongpre? Wow. Yeah. And then watches UFOs? Tom DeLongpre. Tom DeLongy Pray Love? <laughs> All right, sure. I mean, it's wordplay, but I don't think it makes any it sense. Doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. I'm a little ashamed of that, but yeah. But yeah, so I don't know. When I was in California, it was interesting. But why did they throw mid-century shit in that house? It should have been like yeah. a little more boho. Like I saw that picture, and I was like, "That's not right." Well, no, it was classic Airbnb where they just found the cheapest, like just one step above IKEA stuff. And in certain cases, like we call that Wayfair, one step below IKEA stuff, where it was like we call Walmart that <laughs> knockoffs of IKEA stuff, yeah. you know. So, yeah, I mean, it was a it was an Airbnb. Like, what can yeah. I say? It, it was interesting though, because you know, have you ever seen Up? Just the first ten minutes. Well, you're, yes, off, you're familiar yeah. with the house then, which yeah. is like that up house in the middle of all these little buildings. guy. Yeah, that was kind of what it was like because it was just these four bungalows that are tucked in between oh, like bungalows. three or four giant. Um, apartment complexes see this is the only part about california that i would ever entertain ever moving for is renting a house because you can rent a house and it could be a three bedroom two the bedroom count doesn't matter it's just that it's a space and i'm like yeah yeah please give me house now well yeah the i mean bukowski's house that we were staying in was seriously not that much bigger than this apartment i mean it was like one room bigger that's the size of where we're sitting. Yeah, I mean, that's it. yeah. They they have bigger. They have like you tack on an actual dining room, and you're like, okay, yeah. But that's you, most of Silver Lake. I mean, you know, but you get a parking space and like a spot in the a driveway. little porch. Yeah. Yeah. It is really nice. Yeah. yeah, and the weather is not. Yeah, this where it's like hot, cold, hot, cold, right. Rain? Well, you know, that's the new climate change normal in New York. I kept having to explain that to West Coast people. Um, in LA and oh. in Vegas that like, they're like, oh, what's the weather like now? Cause usually 55 and sunny and weird. Weird. Yeah. Cause usually I would say, oh yeah, it's cold and shitty. I'm happy to be out here. But I was like, you know, our winters are getting increasingly scary in the sense that they're unpredictable and way too warm in well, general. There's going to be six feet of snow in March as we know, yeah. whatever. I don't want to really talk about the weather on this fucking. Well, no, moment, it's okay. But, it'll, be, it'll be related later. I do want to talk about, as this is a furniture uh, review podcast, um, the fact that there... Okay, so 
as you know, bitch went shopping. Yeah. Bitch also went scouting at this place in Bushwick that is literally just like a warehouse filled to the brim with crap. Uh huh. I think I know what you're talking about. It's on Bushwick Avenue. Yeah. Okay. I go in and I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm a ninja for finding weird shit, even if it's in piles, which everything is in, whatever. And I go, these are some Eames replicas. Like, they're cheap. They have to be cheap. I know what they are and whatever. I go, how much? I take pictures and then I roll up. I'm like, okay, how much are these Bertoya knockoffs? Oh, yeah, those are only the tops. Okay. How, what about these Eames replicas? Oh, 65 for the set? No, each. I'm like, excuse me. Oh, man. It's cheaper new. Yeah. And what are you trying here? And then uh, the third thing was like an actual like vintage like diner chair. Like, yeah, those are going to be 80 each. I was like, get fucking wrecked. <laughs> like, I know what I'm talking about. Yes. You're looking at me like, oh, you want this. I'm going to try and highball you. And I'm like... You're fucking insane. I don't think they're even trying to highball a knowing customer. I think she just didn't want to sell to me. No, I don't think it's that. I think it's a fallout of the same apocalypse that happens in vintage clothing where it's Mm -hmm. a quote vintage store. But sometimes it's not even real vintage clothing or better yet. It is vintage clothing that's just marked up for trust fund kids that have no problem paying $300 for a jacket. There were real Eames pieces that were clearly abused like i was like oh this was trash for 125 dollars i was like okay so it's 125 just to get the shell right and then you have to reupholster it it, which is 200 dollars. right that is a 60 dollar piece in the state that it's in don't fuck me right now do do you let me throw this out there because i think this is part of it um do you think that most casual people who know who eames is and they're like "Ooh, that's a famous designer don't realize that those were mass-produced objects that there's like a fuck ton of and that you could just get a brand new one if you wanted it so they get duped by this i mean kind of like i look at it i'm like i look at you know you condition check it and you're like you know a decent condition actual piece from 1965 or whatever you go that's worth 200 bucks yeah it should be expensive yeah but that's not that expensive that's kind of expensive but it's also again it's mass produced mass produced well any good condition piece of furniture from the 1960s is worth about that much eames or not but if it's fiberglass that isn't chipped and fucked you're like 200 bucks sure take my money but when you're telling me that this damaged smoke fucked chipped piece of shit yeah nicotine stained is 125 dollars, and then i have to drop 300 more to make it what it was right you go fuck yourself and you're just doing this to like bushwick hipsters who are like yeah cool i'll just put a blanket on it uh no right i'm not as much of an in-person shopper as you but uh as we discussed uh via instagram while i was gone i'm very online now you're so So, online now (laughs) um i've been having the same problem with ebay where oh. eBay used to be a place, I mean, I'm talking 20 years ago now, but used to be a place where you could get really good finds for really yeah. cheap, but everybody on eBay has wised up, and now it's along the same lines. Like, I was looking to buy all these um, Soviet-era X-ray records. Do you, know oh. what the, do you know what those are? No, but that sounds interesting. They're really interesting. So in the Soviet Union, at, at, towards the end, the best way to pirate records was on X-ray plastic, huh. because it was equivalent to vinyl. So there's, That tracks, yeah. There's all these it's pirate thicker, yeah. records from... Um, 
Western band, so you can get like Pink Floyd or Led Zeppelin, and it's huh. like on an X-ray of a skull or ribs or something. That's kind of cool. So anyway, yeah. there's, but there's lots of different states of condition for these, and because they're not designed for actually recording music, so it's a retrofit. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, you can do. Th- you can't really. It's not the same as furniture in the sense that you can't really restore it. But kind of all of these sellers have gotten wise to the same problem. So even the worst condition ones, they're like, oh, it's 120 it's rare, bucks. Yeah. And I'm like, bitch, a, a really good one is worth 200 bucks. Yours is worth 40 Yeah. And I, you just can't. I'm also so American that I don't have the energy to haggle with someone. Mm-mm. I just like, I'm like, well, how much is that? This. Oh, oh my no. God. And then I move on. So haggling. Um, my dad, I have so much to say about my dad. I had such a fun time with him in Las Vegas. Cause my entire, wait, your dad went to, wait, my ent- what? Ron yeah, yeah, went yeah. To- okay. My entire family is in Las Vegas right now. Okay. The, the four of us, meaning my sister, my dad, my mom, myself were in the same city for the first time now in at least years. 10 years. Um, because my dad snowbirds in Las Vegas oh, living yeah, with right. my yeah. sister. He's yeah. been doing this a few years now and it just so happened because of the campaign. I was out there with him. So I had some fun times with Ron, but uh, we'll get into some of that too. But haggling, so Ron, I can see Ron lo- loving to. Haggle. Uh, my dad on the verge of his retirement is um, cheap. You know what? No. Oh, yeah. What he, he's he's made what? this he's made this turn from being not cheap at all to like incredibly extravagant. So while I was Ron, out, Ron spending bills. Oh yeah, Ron making it rain. <laughs> oh man, I have a lot to say about this. So. While I was out there, um, I hung out with him. On Why the... didn't you lead with this yesterday's casual conversation? You just want to tell me about... Oh, because I had to save it for the podcast, baby. <sighs> I, got a, I got a ton here. We already burned this a half hour. So this is so much one's... to react to. Yeah, God this one's going to okay. go long. but uh, So we'll start with the Ron stuff. So while I'm out there, <sighs> start... I hang out with my dad on the first night. You know, He dropped me off at the Chapo show. Okay. I went to the Chapo show. So we, we were hanging out at Mandalay Bay and having a drink or whatever. Okay. I'm talking to him. The next day, I'm hanging out with my sister, and she's like, did dad tell you about his sports car? And I was like, excuse me? His midlife crisis sport car? Well, he's already had this. He already yeah. bought a motorcycle a few years ago. Well, yeah. You know, he, he's out. He's, you know, he's living his best life right now. Mm-hmm. But so my sister's like, he tell you about his sports car. And I was like, no, no mention of Did the sports Ron car. Did Ron buy a Maserati? So the next day, you know, I'm out canvassing and doing whatever. I see my dad a couple days later. And he's on his way out to go look at the car. And I'm talking at the car. Yeah. I'm talking to my sister while he's gone. And my sister's like, yeah, he has this weird idea in his head that he's going to be able to talk this person down or that like maybe he can get a deal on. Oh, he was buying the car while you were (gasps) there. He was going to look at it. Like you going by, but he's also okay. going to buy. But along the lines of haggling, right? Me and my sister were in agreement that like that's totally just an old person thing. Yeah. I've never grown up in a world where it was possible to walk to any vendor and haggle them down, except for maybe like a Chinaman on Canal Street. Th- that's really like the only situation you can haggle antiques. It's it's not it, yeah. It's kind of expected, but I like I I don't feel comfortable if I find it reasonable. I just go. That's right. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't want to get into a haggling situation unless I'm dead set on the item. We're also not in... Americans are not hagglers. You know what? No. I think Americans used to be hagglers. I mean, think along the lines of, like, the customer's always right, you know? I think there was a time when you could We negotiate. We don't haggle. Yeah, you know, it depends. I guess it depends who you're talking about. Neither you or I are a Jewish American, for example. But I negotiate with 
customer terrorists all the time. Yeah, that's true. And I just go, no, that's unreasonable. And they're like, what? But I, I do this all the time. I'm like, no, you don't. Right. No. Let's talk about what seems reasonable to you and what's to me, and then we'll find a middle ground. Well, but this, this you know. Like, again, yeah, yeah, negotiation. Yeah, yeah. I agree like, it's not you. like, but it should be this. I'm like, because Jamaicans do this. Yes, I know. And I, I, I have fun with that. I'm like, well, if you do this, I'll scratch. It's a, if you scratch my back, you take this shit home. I'll scratch your back. We'll, we'll fuck this up price wise. And they're like, I got you. I'm like, okay, we made a deal. Yes. I was about to go to the exact same place, which negotiation I, though, I, you know, it's, it's negotiation, but I also think there's this implicit understanding, especially amongst millennials that like, if you are beyond nice to your customer service person, there's almost an unspoken thing where they're supposed to do something for you uh, or not that they have to, no. but that they could, and it would be welcome. You know, I've run yeah. into that situation a lot where if you're just like extra nice, uh, cause you can tell somebody's having a hard day or if you're extra nice just for no reason, you'll probably get something out of it. Oh yeah. So rather than even enter into the like strategy of negotiating or haggling, it's more like have a nice interaction and maybe something will go your way. Yeah. But you learn to expect nothing. You just do that as an angle, you know? I see this is my this is a kind of cultural problem where I think like white people are always like, What can you do for me? And I'm like, Well, you're not doing anything for me by Never taking this at a enter discount. Enter the situation from a demanding position. No. That is rule number one. That person is gonna say, Fuck you in their head. Get out. Yeah. yeah. But like when I have people who are like, I need this, this, this I'm like, okay, all right, I got it. Like, I don't have this. I have the, what do you want? Okay, so I'm taking all this shit home. What are you going to do for me? I'm like, I don't know. You're unloading a lot of shit for me. So, like, we can talk. Right, right. You're welcome at the table. If it's just a matter of, like, I want a seat at the table, you are not invited. No, 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 no. Never presume. No. Yeah. We did not, I did not extend the offer of courtesy to you as right. yet. Because you are not doing anything for me. Right. No, I so, think fuck off. It's a really positive sign, actually. I think that you know, there's always monsters in any age or demographic. Oh yeah, but like, there's a much more humble ethic behind like interacting in a customer service situation, at least amongst like decent people. If 40 you and younger. like acknowledge that you're eating shit in a situation, you're just like, I don't know, like this isn't working, and like, I don't know, like, you know, we could we can talk maybe off mic so i don't get canceled about like certain cultures doing sure. certain things yeah, yeah um because like i've seen people shove things on their body and be like i want a new one and i'm like <laughs> you just put your nasty smelly sweaty ass body onto that and you want a new one right i'm gonna put that in a plastic bag and then give it back to you and you're not gonna know right suck it you know, I just out of spite because I'm like, fuck you, get out of here, <laughs> like get get fucking wrecked. My my favorite tactic in this situation is I always like to remind somebody or tell somebody like, hey, I know it's not your job, but or hey, I know there's not much you can do, but you know, is that bad? For, you're you're a retail guy. If is if that like a condescending? With, is there position? anything you can do? There's so much you can do, but if you're asking us, like. If I don't like you, there's nothing I can do. Well, I should be clear that I only resort to that kind of last case scenario. When it's... all else has failed, I will kind of beg like that. But I never lead with what can you do for me. It it's also yeah. a time thing. Like if you've, I don't know. Uh, there's so many contingencies that I can't begin right. to explain. 
that like you know if i like if someone's like trying to figure out like it's my first like thing it's i have to buy a suit for a job i'm like or my my thing was always like i have to buy some something black i have to go to a funeral i'm always like all right let's get you in something that you like and come come to me here come here you're paying this much and they're like what i'm like yeah you're never gonna wear this again i don't fucking care give me whatever money you feel like get out and they're well, like yeah. uh are you sure i'm like yeah this sucks you don't want to do this i don't want to do this this is a theater give me some money and then burden this after you're done ultimately you're doing them a favor but your uh how do i want to put it aggressive stylings make it seem like it's the wrong thing to do but then they have like a little arithmetic in their head and they go oh Actually, yeah, I don't want to spend $300 on this. He's no. pushing me for 85 and that's just fine. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I have to buy the suit. I'm like, how much you want to pay? Like, we do the, you do the unspoken thing of like, okay, wrap that up and do, 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 that's how much it is. Right. And they're like, what? I was going to spend, I'm like, shut up, just put the card in. We're not talking about it right now. Right. I'm doing this. You're accepting it. We agree that this is bad. Move on. Right, right, right. Don't fill out a survey. Don't call anyone. Right. We're just doing this as people now. Yes, yes. Okay, so Ron's buying a car. Yeah, so so at the Sorry, at the end of back. the it's a circle back. At the end of the day, Ron didn't haggle for shit. He drove the car once, decided he liked it, and bought a twenty seven thousand uh, dollar twenty sixteen black Chrysler of some kind, I think. Um He spent seven what? Yeah. $27,000 on a Chrysler. It's a pretty hot car. I have to Ronald. say. It's really good. But um, yeah, it's like a low-slung low two-seater with the like Corolla costs $15,000. Yeah, no, I know. Hey, listen, my dad's not a rich man. He's just a middle-class person on the verge of retiring, you know? Ron owns he property. He can't buy like so a $60,000 car. Ron can't is not a $60,000 dairy now yet. Well... He is, but he cannot drop that at once. Yeah, no. No, yeah. no. But he, but I'm assuming he pretty much paid cash for this car, and now he's got his oh. new toy, and he has to ship it back across the country. He's not going to drive it? He's not going to road trip? Well, you... I'm surprised you didn't have he, a Thelma and Louise moment across... Well, he already drove out to Las Vegas, and he can't drive two cars back, eh? And he drove he, to Las Vegas. Yeah, he does that every time. My dad is a superstar... Dumbass. Like, beyond what truck drivers are even capable of, he drives, like, 14 hours in a day. He gets out from Cleveland to Las Vegas in two and a half days. Yeah. It's incredible. That's unnatural. I, I talked to a guy I work with who used to um, do cross-country shipping for art and drove the big rigs. Yeah. And I told him what my dad does in a day, and he was like, they would never let us do that. Oh, it's illegal. You're, you're yeah, allowed you to drive for like seven again. hours and 59 minutes, and then you must stop. Take a break, and you yeah. must shift change or go to yeah. sleep or whatever. But yeah, no, he just charges out there. So anyway, yeah, he doesn't. He can't drive two cars back, and he doesn't want to drive the sports car back for obvious reasons. You don't want to put 2,000 miles on, on your, a new on your brand yeah. new thing, yeah. so he's going to get it shipped out there. Um, but that's only the beginning with Ron. I mean, first of all, this is a good segue, too. He drove out to Las Vegas, right? Guess what he had time to do? What? Listen to almost every episode of this show oh, in a row. Oh, fuck no. Yeah. He listened to us like we were the um, It is 41 AM hours. Radio. Yeah. It's 41 hours. I, I did the metrics, and I was a little disappointed at the, the, you know, the metrics that I saw. I was a little pissed. Bernie yeah. Bonding has done too well, and I'm a little yeah, yeah. angry well, about everybody it. Everybody loves our man Bernard and loves our girl Natalie. Shouts out. I, well, 
her downloads the first they were good and then they dropped and then i i have not gone to the computer to see because i don't I well that always happens i was concerned that you were going to lose us listeners but you appear to have not so that's great i uh, there was a dip but there's always a dip that's okay we, we when there's a guest it does well and when there's not it goes down well, it was all guests and then it evens out yeah um but anyway, so yeah, Ron listened to like 11 episodes or something of Plus our show talking. in a row, and he was really enjoying it. Ronald, I'm sorry. He showed me on his phone, in his notes app, he had a note titled Podcast Rebuttal. And it was a series of notes Jesus about things that we said on the show, about him and not about him, that he would like uh, some public time to correct. So the next time he's in town, he's vowed to do the show and break out the podcast rebuttal list. Um, you can do whatever he wants. You just can't do it on my couch. Well, the little tease that I'll give you is, do you remember you told a story about golfing where if you... Dick out. Yeah. Yes. Dick's out, yeah. That is true. And he had a name for this that I can't recall off the top of my head, but it was in his podcast rebuttal list. And he was like, you know, Will is right. Um, I know I'm right. Yeah, the dicks out thing is real if you like shank it off the tee or whatever. If you shank it off the tee and it doesn't make it past the red tees, which is the lady yes, the ladies junior, tee. Yeah. That's what it was. But there's a name for this. I think it was Texas golf or something like that. Is no, the official it's just dick title. Out. Whatever. But yeah, so your dicks out golfing was not a lie. I was skeptical, but you thought I was a liar, <laughs> Jesus. Um, Christ. Okay, and then so the the final the final note on Ron is I'm talking to him before the Chapo show. And uh, we're talking about money for some reason. Because, you know, because it's Bernie. We're talking okay. about Chapo. We're talking right. about me working on the campaign and money worries and stuff. And my sister just got married. I don't know if you knew that. Um, you just, just leaving out all the information yeah, packets. Yeah. You're just like, oh, yeah, she's pregnant. I'm like, okay. Married. Okay. Yeah, so my, my sister's due with her second child in about three weeks, and she just got married on um, January 20th, I believe it was. But how is your how is your first niece going to take this? Uh, she's taking it very well. She's really excited. Cause no, it's... I just mean, like, in the larger grand scheme of things, because, like, not this is not a, like, yeah, this is not a, uh, you know, I'm not slandering, but, like, what if she's like, I'm a bastard? Your second child never was. Oh. It's really southern about it. I really... I don't think... Her name is Jatavia, so it's not going to, like, yeah, actually going to affect her in any way, but, like... I really know. don't think that's going to happen, and as far as Jatavia knows, her dad has been in the picture for as long as she can remember. True. So, yeah. the difference between being married and not married, like, it ain't going to matter to her. It's not going to be some southern drama? Okay. No, especially Great. in the way that she was brought up. Yeah. And, and also, like, um, they just got married at, like, a... Um, at one of those little chapels Chapel? in Las Vegas oh, and got like a Polaroid taken. They didn't even invite any of my family. Oh. My dad was like heartbroken that he couldn't go because he was in town. And they were like, no, we're just like, nobody's coming. They did like a little dinner or whatever afterwards. But um, yeah, so no, it's not a big deal to them. Mm. They were talking about doing a reception next year or something. And um, Josh, my sister's now husband, mm -hmm. was very excited. And he was like, oh, will you be one of my best men? And I was like, of course. No, thank yeah. you. Oh. No, no. I'll do, no, I would absolutely <laughs> do, do it for him. But um, then I talked to my sister the next day. And she was like, yeah, I was thinking we would do that. But I'm just like not really feeling it. I'm glad it's kind of over with. I think we're just not going to do it. <laughs> so, Josh, if you hear this, uh, I Sorry. hope I didn't get Jess in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Well. <sighs> But so anyway, yeah, marriage is not going to be important to Jatavia or uh, her sister. The, so. Like the status is not going to be it a point make... of contention sibling-wise. Okay, there no. will be no sibling rivalry 
rivalry of uh yeah no but i did try to explain to my niece while i was there the concept of irish twins because she's going to be six years older that's not an irish twin i I know i know follow me here um she's gonna why were you telling your she's gonna be six years older than her sister and me and my sister were there trying to explain the concept of irish twins to jatavia because that's what we are we might not be technically no. yet, but we're pretty close. We're 18 months. I think Irish Twins is, is within 12. Yeah. But, you know, that's about as close as you can get without being it. You're Ohio Twins. It's a distinction without a difference, yeah. as we like to say. What? Um, yes. But uh, we were trying to explain, like, oh, you realize, like, your mom and your Uncle Chris, like, we're almost the same age. And she just, like, wasn't. She can't grok more than, like, five of anything. But you get above the number five in any category, and it's really hard for a child that age to like understand why that's meaningful. Your sister is also mommy, and you're just like the fun guy who comes around every now and then who yells at her occasionally. Yeah, the proper uncle. That's exactly how it should be. Yeah. As all uncles are. Mm. I was born to be. Um, mm. Oh, but you know why it came up is because my niece asked, oh, she asked her mom, oh, did he ever take care of you? Because she knows that I'm older but doesn't have a concept yeah. of how much. And that's when we explained it. Like, oh, no, like, like, no, no. Couldn't. You were always no. kind of the same age, but Jatavia will be in a position to babysit, to babysit yeah. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which right now she's excited for, but when she's a teenager she, and pissed. that child is eight, she's pissed. not going to like it at one She's bit. not going to be paid for it yeah. at all. No. Mm-mm. Oh, that's interesting. Jatavia, if you ever hear this in the future, hi, Uncle Chris here. I'm now an old Fight grizzled for rights. man. Yeah. Um, Bernie Sanders is... Either a president in the past, or dead, or dead, or both, probably both, um, or just. And dead. you either live in a single party fascist hellscape, or uh, a wonderful New Deal type of future. <laughs> greetings from New Mexico, or not New Mexico. Greetings from Mexico City. Yeah, or I think greetings I th- from the country of New York City that's now broken off Hong Kong style. Oh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> No. And is surrounded by armed guards, courtesy of Michael Bloomberg, Viceroy of New New York. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, I, I kind of, I, I don't know. I keep thinking about this. Like, I, I don't know. I, why are we not living in Mexico City? Everything's cheap. Have you ever even been there? No. Yeah, me neither. I don't know. How do you know you would like it, man? I don't think I would. The gays like it. Everybody likes it. All the art world people like it, too, which is a bad sign for me. That's how I know I yeah. wouldn't like it. Yeah. Right away. When all anybody talks about is the restaurants they ate at and how good the weather is, I know I don't want to live there. That's L.A. Looking at you, L.A. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's that or Canada. The, I'm like, well, it's those there. If that's the sum total of the like substance of your existence, like, yeah, you can fuck right off. I'm not I, interested. I mean, my people are uh, a fleeing people. So, you know, I, I, did a lo- I did a little bit of a deep dive. Uh-huh. Or, I don't know. This is a freewheeling extravaganza. On so- your genealogy? Kind of. So I like, because I was like looking at some symbols, like, I don't know, there was a a thing where one Slovenian, so do you know what Vegeta is? No. Okay, so it's basically like a vegetable bullion that you just sprinkle on shit to, it's MSG also, so. Oh, okay. So it's like a powdered version of Vegemite. It's just a powder version of, like, vegetable bullion and, like, whatever MSG is. Sure, okay. It's, like, everything so seasoning just, like, or something. Yeah, yeah. Sprinkle gotcha. on shit. So, like, I grew up with that. Um, And so I started doing this, like, deep dive in terms of, like, the iconography. And, like, there's going to be a painting. 
Excuse me. Because um, there was a hand, and I was like, ooh, a hand. I love hands. I love phantom limbs. Um, uh, so when I started, like, deep diving, like, that history is really weird in terms of War too, but also in terms, like, it's an like it's an old valley, basically, in terms of Roman history. Like, you know, like, there's a lot of crossover. Excuse me. Sorry, I got a work paper. Um, there's a lot of weird things that have happened, and I was, like, kind of deep diving in the history, because I don't know. I don't give a fuck. Um, but, like, you know, their relationship with Tito and Tito socialism is very interesting, because a lot of people are pissed after World War II. They're yeah, like, yeah. Uh, Tito didn't do us that great, because we got also steamrolled by Nazis. Right. Which is my people. Yeah. They were like, we got to go, because these Germans are fucked up you know and well your people over there in that valley were in a an unenviable position because they were sandwiched between the germans to their west and the red Italians army to, their to the right. south and, the, and yeah, yeah there was, was there yeah. was really no good look tito for got installed for funsies yeah uh, it, it was it's all bad um but then you do the little as one does you do the gay country and you're just like oh oh this isn't great but it's kind of like they're like they reference three clubs that are okay. I'm like, well, this is weird. You have three gay bars in the entire like country. You're talking. You're from Slovenia, right? The, the motherland, yeah, uh, ostensibly. Um, and it's all Ljubljana, right? Which we know people from there. Our big boy Zizek. Zizek is from Ljubljana. Yeah. Uh, what's her face is from Ljubljana. I forgot her name. Anyway, yeah. Um. So, like, you know, there's, you know, that's a cultural hub. Yeah. So, it's kind of like this weird, like, Eastern European version of, like, uh, Eastern Bloc version of... You know, it reminds... I've seen pictures of Ljubljana. I can't say Lublana. it. Lublana. And it looks a lot like Vienna. It's v- It has echoes It's very of, Viennese. Yeah. It's very Berlinish. Yes. Like, the way the architecture is, you're just like, what the fuck is this? Well, I always like to say about Europe, when I visited Austria, I went to a town called Salzburg, and everything looks like... A, a town tr- called Salzburg. Yeah. I mean, it's like... I think it's the second or third biggest city, but yes. it's a town. By American standards, it's, it's a, a town. town. Yeah. Um, but they all look like train sets. Yeah. It's a it, Lublana is also kind of like this weird like Chicago of the Eastern Bloc. It, you know what? In a weird way, I, I just intuited what you said. That makes a it, lot of sense. Tracks, if, yeah. if, like, if you all out there know your geography, figure it out. Middling city. Yeah. Middling big city where it's like cute on tourism, but like they're kind of like most of their GDP is tourism. Yeah. Which I was like, oh, this makes sense for my lifestyle. Like for what I am like wired towards is like this, uh, you know like before you of... get too far into your theory here can i offer something up yeah um i learned recently that after the recession after 2008 that mm-hmm. tourism is the biggest industry almost everywhere um largely because manufacturing and other more practical industries have completely dried up service industry Sur- not only do service industries rise but there also has to be a mechanism for creating capital without material uh-huh. which tourism does really is well. Is all that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that tourism encompasses service industry. Like, tourism, it, I mean, when they say GDP, it's actually, they just say service, but it's actually tourism is right. what the subtext is of that. Yeah. Because what you're saying is that, like, 
when people come, someone's got to be there to put the asses in the seats, put the asses in the seats of the restaurant, the theater, the whatever. Like, someone's got to do those machinations. That's actually what's causing the bills to keep. Yeah, totally. It's keeping the lights on. Um, So, I, I don't know where I was going with this, but, like, it was very interesting to see, like, you know, a genealogy where, like, there's Eastern Bloc uh, aesthetics and just, like, everyone's like, eh, this is our how we make our money in terms of the ideation of service. I'm like, well, you, you also have to remember that like most of those countries in Eastern Europe weren't opened up until 1990, 91. And then were, and in a lot of cases still are in most areas, like pretty hellacious until relatively recently. Yeah. I'm not talking about the major cities, but I mean like the, the fallout of the Soviet union collapse was was bad. I mean, you, you had a bunch of, a, entire populations of many many nations that had never had to deal really with markets at all but so but that particular country was very strange in terms of its relationship to tito with socialism yeah yeah oh that's where and you there was going a, with there this. was a very strange yeah. break between like a vote of confidence and that kind of that kind of regimented socialism yeah sorry i'm slurring my words because i'm five drinks deep um but like that kind of thing was very um that was voted no confidence in the 70s. Yes. You know, very weird. Well, obviously, because it's like, well, World War II, like, we all free now. Can I give a also- little background on the post-World War II yeah. s- status of a Absolutely. lot of these countries? Yeah. Like, like what what happened after World War II was that, um, you know, in the West, this is portrayed as like a communist takeover, yeah. like by force. Um, because the Red Army was there, and in some yeah. cases that was true, but largely a lot of people in Europe at the time had a lot of sympathy towards communists because they were actively fighting the Nazis in a way that like the more moderate parties of those countries were not. Think yeah. of Vichy France. Yeah. So after World War II, there was a communist uptick in all of these countries voluntarily, and then the Soviet Union sweeping through and giving them resources didn't hurt either. But yes. by the 1970s, when you started to experience like all of this stagnation and from kind- of austerity pre-austerity austerity well you you had you had the ussr taking over all of these countries and diverting most of the resources of the more fertile of the eastern Bloc nations to russia proper think of like the the ukrainian genocide and things like this like um so but this is why like in when i say tito like tito was installed by the russians yeah that's right and then everyone's like what the fuck we don't do this like, because they were like, you know, they're kind of like humble farming people. Sure. Not to denigrate them. All I was like, getting yeah. at real quick to put an end cap on that was that, like, um, it's easy to say he was installed by the Russians. But, like, I'm not sure about Tito in particular. But I do know that a lot of these people, they also had popular support. Like, it's never good to have an eternal dictator. But there Tito was popular. Until it ran out. Tito was popular against Nazis. Yes, exactly. Because you want someone who's taking care of you who's not killing your jewish neighbors right like that was kind of like the moral thing was like even though it's like a catholic state ostensibly like they're like why are you killing moishi like what the fuck is this shit right right like we're not here for that like they were very resistance oriented yes um however again tito was installed like that level of social that level of socialism was very stalinist in its origin yeah so then that reached the logical end point of like oh, we are not breadlining this fuck 
Right, right. No, we are farming. We can provide. Fuck off. Well, and there was there was also a lot of like ethnic tensions because keep in mind, as you know, that this was Yugoslavia at the time, and it yes, it encompassed what is now like seven or eight different countries that had all had their own ethnic conflicts and stuff. So having that consolidation of a central government, especially under like an authoritarian ruler, you're just getting tribalism all over the place, and on top of economic stagnation and like potential breadlines, like that. That's the end of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is why, like, you know, like, from what I know of my history is, like, you know, we would say that, like, my grandfather was Yugoslav and my grandma is Slovenian. Yeah. Or whatever. Like, but it's all the same fucking landmass. Like, the the diagram is clear. It's like, you're all the same. I don't know. So, this is why, like, I was on this, like, uptick of, like, graphic design from that period because, like, yeah. the borders don't matter. Like... The branding doesn't matter because it's all, which I thought was, in, I don't know, like it was fertile for me for like a moment to like, cigarette cartons were out weirdly this like strange, honest way to place politics. Yeah, sure. What do you mean by that? Just the the graphic design told you a lot, like when do the coat of arms of particular regions get called up to commerce? Right. Like those things are very strange. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think, like, in terms of time, when you do the timeline plotting, you're like, oh, this is where this gets called up. And we do this in America all the time. Like, we're like, where do we pinpoint, uh, not nationalism, but like patriotism? Like, when does sure. that come to the forefront in terms of branding everything? Right. Branding, uh, vice. Right. Vice and everyday object, like this, is where the Vegeta thing, where it's like, uh, where does where do we brand otherness? Where it's like, this is a, a fatty guy who's ostensibly like Oriental, like not really, like right. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know that that's an interesting idea because it's so hard to pin right pin down right now mm-hmm. because the monoculture is so strong and patriotism or nationalism has been so bastardized by like every presidential candidate has to wear an American flag pin. Um, you know, does Pete wear a rainbow flag? I don't think he does. No, he wouldn't. Yeah. Um, Mm. well, you didn't watch the debate in Las Vegas, but Pete got an interesting question, um, where they were like, you know, are you a traitor to your generation? It seems like you have very little support amongst millennials. Um, and gays basically like, why do you exist? (laughs) He got the question that Bernie Sanders has been getting the entire time. Why aren't you dead yet? But from the other direction, um, why aren't you dead named yet? And he didn't have a good answer for it because he's just a, a platitudinal talking head idiot. Jason had a really lovely Instagram post, like his narration of like, he was like hugging Pete from behind was like, this guy really cares. He fixed our city. I was like, you know what? You are the best gay boyfriend. Listen, I feel really bad for Chasten. And I will preface this by saying, I don't know that much about him outside of seeing his picture and just like some videos and absorbing. Yeah. uninformed impression of him i feel terrible for him because i understand that he is genuinely gay and that he doesn't know that pete is a beard like i genuinely oh. don't think that pete Buttigieg is gay I- i'm not he is, i'm but not he's saying a top only listen i'm not saying that he's straight i think pete Buttigieg is asexual i don't think no. pete Buttigieg gives a shit about sex Wait, because he's a sociopath do you think pete's a side gay what does that mean no anal ever 
Yeah, like only like listen, mouth and hands. Yes, maybe, maybe when he's feeling generous. But this is what I'm saying is I don't think Pete is a very sexual being. I think Pete's entire existence is absorbed in his career. Again, Pete doesn't shave his bush, so like Jason's like picking shit out with toothpicks. So like on Tuesday. Well, and he's supportive about it, and like really, you know. He's really in it to win it, and Pete is just thinking about Amy Klobuchar and how he while he's like shoving Chasten's head down harder. You know, it's awful. <sighs> like, like really, he's an awful person. I wish I could say that that was wrong, but that actually tracks. That's what I'm saying. Like, I th- I think Pete's sexual urges are sadistic or non-existent, much like Michael Bloomberg. Chasten, baby, call me. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you call Will? You know, Chasten in a in a almost looks like young Bernie Sanders. No, he does not. If he was puffed up a little bit more, Bernie... Justin has no hair. Yeah, that's true. Looks like a young me. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Chasten Laughlin. <laughs> I wonder what Chasten's maiden name is. Is that what you call it in the gays? I don't know. A maiden name? Do people take each other's names? I've never they thought shouldn't. about that before. Yeah, they probably shouldn't, right? But he's Chasten Buttigieg. Is he? I'm pretty sure. Ugh. I mean, he has to be for the campaign, Ugh. so even if that's not how he identifies, I mean... That's depressing. That's if... what it's like, anyway. Hold on. Let me just... Yeah. Let me just do this off to the side, because I will lose my mind. While you're finding that, I, I will tell you that I laughed really hard at a couple moments in both the podcast episodes you did, because you're constantly knocking things over in the background, and, like, shouting from off mic, and clinking glasses, and forgetting oh, your jewel. Oh, it is Jason Buttgate. Yeah, yeah. He's chasing butt gauge. Butt gauge, knee, whatever. Oh, that, that's a terrible gay right there. Yeah. <laughs> don't take don't take a man's name. Never. Be a good feminist. You don't take a man's name. I don't think anybody should take each other's names anymore. Gross. I, I, I don't think very so many gross. people actually. Well, yeah. I don't think very many people actually do that anymore. Ugh. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I do. Yeah, I was clinking and was. Did, did you enjoy the Phil Air from beyond the mic i don't remember if i heard oh, okay. that was that on natalie's episode yeah. i think that's what i'm thinking of there yeah. was a moment when you were like oh i forgot my jewel and then you get up and you shout fill air way yes. off mic <laughs> and then there's like a clinking of several wine glasses something was, getting spilled. no that was no that was natalie refilling her glass with salty yeah. it, um, ma- it made me laugh really hard it was very okay, it was very appropriate yeah um, um speaking of taking each other's names my mom also got married excuse did me? you know that no um my mom got married Why are you just like truth bombing this particular episode hey, you're just like hey do you want to know some weird things that happened about my life that are probably affecting me but i don't want to talk about it yet well you know uh, yeah i have a big thing we haven't even gotten to yet but uh oh, well no you already know what it is i mean it's my whole bernie journey did but... you knock up no no i didn't i didn't lay i didn't lay any pipe in nevada if that's what you're concerned about yeah, well, okay, unfortunately good. but anyway well, um yeah no my, my mom got married um and you made me think of it with the name change thing because his name is Jordan, right? His name is Jordan. Okay, his last good. name is Castle. She's taking his last name. What? Yeah. Well, it, it makes sense in my mom's position because she had my father's last name. She's been Sherry Campaccioli for ten years. Um, post divorce. Post divorce. Okay. Which is typical because you have to change all of your documents. Like it's kind of a it's big a deal bit. to change yeah, your last it's not name. Fun. Yeah. And most people post-divorce do this, even if in their private lives they're, like, called something Whatever, else. Whatever, yeah. Um, but so she's finally switching it over to Jordan's name, so she'll be Sherry Castle. Um, That's a better name. It's nice. I'm not, I'm not going to... Yeah. Not to cause strife, but, like, that's a that rolls off the tongue. 
Well, you know what your she, name don't roll off the tongue. Well, you know Sorry. what she said when it came up too is that um, largely she's tired of people asking her if she's Italian, which she's not. She's not. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's further complicated because um, she doesn't really have like a proper last name because her birth father was never in the picture. So oh. she never used his last name, which I oh. think is her technical legal last name, Goldenstein. Yeah, what? Um, Goldenstein. I think that's his name. It might be something else. I'm pretty sure it's that. Um, and her the Jew left the fam. Yeah, I am Abandoned a little bit Jewish and we've never confirmed this, but I think the name is confirmation enough. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. Um, Sweetie. Well, it gives me a pass. That's why I love it. Yeah, it's your nose. I can be, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But so. When the Italian and the Jews unite, you get the Campuccioli nose. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, I look like a fucking Easter Island statue. Don't worry. My, Um, you know, based on my, you know, mild research, Jewy. Oh, yeah. So, Laheim. Yeah, yeah, um, Lahayim. This is now a pro-Israel podcast. <laughs> Benjamin are, Netanyahu, my boy. I win work for his are campaign not Zionist, in Lebanon. <laughs> thank you. Um, <sighs> but anyway, so so my mom's name situation is complicated because okay. she never used her birth name. Um, her mother reverted to her maiden name, which was Herdell. Um, I think my mom used that name for most of her life too. But I don't. Herdell. Yeah, that's very lumpy potato well i'll say it it's straight up white trash i mean yeah yeah, my you know my my grandma and my mom they're from michigan they lived in the middle of the desert in nevada like it's that's it's a a fitting that's got a trailer park yeah Yeah, it's a very it's a very trailer park name um again not denigrating but no i know i'm saying it too um but so names can be complicated so she's taking his last name and i think it makes a lot of sense yeah given the situation so that's good wait so so let me get this straight yeah sister Hitched quickly. Mom. We knew she was engaged. Everyone pissed, but accepting. Yeah. No, you you and your dad are just the bachelors. You and Ron, just bachelors on the town. Oh, now, so get this. So you know my dad has been with the same lady for yes. a long time. Yeah. I'm not going to name her name for reasons you'll find out in a second. Um, <laughs> But... <laughs> Is this a is this a podcast or a therapy session? Uh, you I'm know, not it, sure. It's a little bit of both. I'm like trying I said, to. Dude, we yeah. have we haven't even talked about my work on the fucking I'm, campaign yet, which is going to take an hour. So get ready. Oh boy. Um, but so I'm talking to my dad before Bonus the Chapo show. Cut back yeah. to that moment where yeah. I'm learning about the car, about all this stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, he broke it off with his longtime lady because he's just a singleman and he is feeling himself. And you know they'd had this problem once before. Um. Where Sorry, he, I threw my glasses on. He the was table tired of her children, and Ron basically, uh, he was not feeling it when she was like, "Hey, will you hang out tonight?" And he was like, "Actually, I want to go golfing," and that got in his way too many times. Ron, and so now he's free. Ron, I feel you. Yeah, I understand you are a true king, and I fully respect your position. Because if anyone tries to claim my time instead of me reclaiming my time they can get wrecked so sorry boop because <laughs> i can't say her name because i know it um you got this bro yeah 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 you so- still can't stay on my couch you have to stay at the airbnb next door we'll we'll book it but not on my couch bro yeah okay we'll talk we'll talk about that with ron so yeah i have um 
I have two new marriages, one breakup, and that's and that's the family story. Wow. Oh, also, uh, Ron Venmoed me a thousand dollars for no reason, just because he's nice. What? Yeah. Ron, thank you for the TV that your son has been. Yeah, that's that's maybe what yeah, it's going to uh-huh, go to. Yeah. He, well, you know why it was. It wasn't for no reason. He heard me complaining about on the podcast <laughs> about the. Um, <laughs> you heard your son bitching about how he's poor but yeah. he's actually not about okay. the about the car accident in la and how it cost me a thousand dollars which it did yeah it did um so, i was there witness witness mm-hmm. so yeah pay him for that that's fine um but also so thank it's, you for the tv it's gonna thank go you. to my credit card bill but that'll just free up a little bit of my liquid cash for uh, a 65 inch tv which Bitch, will fill get an entire the fucking, wall get your taxes done you're i started the, working on them today. the studio surrounding you is brought to you by taxes done early yeah no i know i started working on my taxes today don't you worry and i noticed that i'm uh three days earlier than last year so i'll end oh. up being uh totally early do you know how much these fuckers cost no will's holding up his glasses right now you don't want to know what those aren't just some warby, warby parker cheapo frames bitch because they look like it i will throw you out the window <laughs> um i really have to pee yeah, can we take a pause? And on we're this well particular? over an hour, but let's pause. And then when we come back, I want to talk about my the campaign Bernard, work. Yeah. And then we'll be done with the episode. Okay. Oh, fine. All right. Yeah. Anyway, so. Okay, well. So now we're back to, like, the actual meat of the conversation. Yeah, now, now that you're good and drunk. Um, I'm going to try to do the, the serious part you of the show. T- you want to tell me about <laughs> being in Las Vegas yes. with all your heroes and one of the socialist heroes I would love to blow. Anyway. Um, Who is that? I, I told you this yesterday. If you rolled The in, guy from Young Turks? Yeah. If you rolled into Hassan, I mean. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's LA based, so I can't I can't do that, but you know. Well, yeah. So you were evangelizing is what I said. Yes. You were evangelizing. You were not, you know, doing, you know, volunteer work. I said evangelizing because I'm an asshole. So Yeah, well, no, but I was I was very much doing volunteer work that involved evangelizing for sure. Um, you just call that evangelizing. How how much do you know personally about what I was doing? Like, I'm not sure how to structure this in some ways because, like... Um, what do you mean? Like, the type of work that I was doing. Like, what it, What was your conception of what I was doing in Nevada? You were knocking on doors going, Hi, who are you, who are you voting for? Who yeah. are you caucusing for? Oh, this person? Oh, dude, I, you forget that I was a sweaty salesman for a year and you were kind of dipping your toes in that... For political reasons, not just for money. Yes, and and it, so I, I get it. Like I know what you were doing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, like I know the strategies. Well, that's good. I mean, I'm just I'm just not sure how familiar anybody is with what it's like to volunteer on a political. Yeah, it kind of sucks because I, I wasn't sure what it would entail. I mean, no. I had a ton of apprehension about it. But you did um, it. Yeah. No. I think like, hear me out on this. Yeah. You are not someone who is social in a way that is working towards changing ideas. Your sociality is about being present and whatever. Like, yeah. 
this is your first instance in selling, truly. Yeah. Selling an idea of anything. Uh, well, well, I should say, um, at the stage of the game that I was in Nevada, I had a pretty easy job relative to this idea. Okay. Because um, I was doing very little selling. Um, obviously, when you're out there canvassing, like, that's always a possibility. Canvassing sucks, yeah. When you're knocking on doors, like, you're going to meet people that aren't supporters. You're going to meet Trump people. You're going to meet people everyone. who are like, you're my fifth person. Shut the fuck up. Right, Go away. right. Yeah. Um, but at the stage of the game that I was in Nevada, like, basically the goal was to identify strong Bernie supporters and make sure they showed up to vote. Okay. Um, because when I got there, it was the day that it was the last day for early voting. So by the time I went out to Canvas on my first day, early yeah. voting was on the verge of ending. So if okay. I knocked on anybody's door, they weren't going to be able to do that. Yeah. So for the rest of the other three days, I was there to... Second choices. Yeah. Well, not even second choices. I was there to find Bernie people that were very supportive, that didn't have a plan to vote, and give them oh. their polling location, oh. and you know, give them information and try to get them out there to vote. Okay. So, so you were doing the like actual... like logistical like oh are you doing this okay just you know like you gotta go here i was doing yeah. i was doing okay. the final roundup got it let's corral up all the people that are left and push them out the door you know to make sure they do the thing that that, that, that was my job now that yeah. be that being said of course i encountered a lot of people that a had already voted if they were yeah. bernie supporter or not um but also, I still encountered a ton of people that have no idea what's going on. Yeah. I mean, the most interesting thing about the whole experience of knocking on doors. I mean, I knocked on 150 doors. <sighs> I did three days, four shifts. The cards that you had in your Instagram, I'm like, yeah. four? No, but, the the, you, but you know what? That was a... that was That's a good day? That's a really good number, yeah. I mean... Not Think to, about it from your sales background. Man. Again, if you made yeah, four I was sales say, in a day... It's, it's not necessarily about making four sales. It's about... Getting four contact, like, because we used to do the thing exactly of, like, right. we took 20 cards out, we got four cards back. Yep. And then you're going to make two sales out of that. Like, that's actually what you're talking about, is, like, you're going out with a stack, you're getting a limited return, and then your, you know, your actual percentage is 15. You're Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, I collected up eight of those cards yeah. by the end of three days. And, and well, but listen, that's great though. I, but if two, like, if for, two of those people voted, um, I did more than enough. If you got yeah. eight, and dude, if you, uh, I know it's gross, but if you have eight things and you knocked on that many doors, like those are solid. Like that's the disgusting part of like where I do my mental math. I'm like, yeah, you're fine. Those eight are solid you sold them on that if not you're gonna get six which is still better than nothing well and you know as we record this and as everybody that's listening to this knows we 89 fucking yeah. knocked it out of the park yeah. we absolutely destroyed that state um i told you last night that on my last day of canvassing the day before the election mm -hmm. i was sent an hour away from my local office because we'd knocked on a hundred percent of the Too doors much, yeah. in northwest La las vegas yeah. three to five times yeah each. that's gross yeah that's not good um yeah. you know the the most antagonistic people i encountered were people that were just tired of having bernie people come to their yeah. door and they weren't even that antagonistic they were just dismissive they were just like tired. we're done okay it's like what happens it. when you're just like oh shit are those 
Are those Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Yep. Are those... Oh, Hide. Hide behind the couch. Well, you know, it's never given me more sympathy for people like that. Like, we live on the second floor here. You're never really going to encounter that. That's happened to me no. once since we've lived here. Ever? Uh, and we got the doorbell. What? I went downstairs, and it was a couple of Jehovah's Witnesses, and I was polite to them, but just said oh, I yeah, wasn't interested. Oh, yeah, they're cute, and they just go, like, have you heard the good news? And you're like, I have, and I'm not interested. Bye. But you know what? After my experience canvassing, like, that's all it requires. Yeah. Like, that's a very positive interaction when it's all said and done. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just be oh, nice yeah, to people never like done that, that. Yeah. Oh, that come through. Well. Hmm. Yeah, you know, um, interestingly, the weirdest and funniest interaction I had was with an undecided person um, who looked exactly like Gus Fring from Breaking Bad. <laughs> Down to the glasses and the outfit. He was on his way to work at Los Poyos Hermanos. Oh, boy. And he was militantly undecided. He both wanted to talk to me, but, would but also did not want to hear what you... Yeah. Well, he would not yield any information. Ah. He took my pamphlet. He would hear my spiel about Bernie, but he was like, it's to be determined. I'm not deciding till I get there. And I was like, okay, but like, you must have some kind of preference. That guy sounds like I want to be his friend. You know what? No, you don't. Like No, because he sounds like a douchebag. But it's the weirdest kind of yeah. person I, I've ever met. Again, the infinite ego. Yes, that's what it is. Of I know what's right for me when I feel it. Right. And you're like, bro, who cares or well, not? Well, you know what it made me realize is that that's, of course, not true. No. You already know that your mind is made up, but you're essentially too much of a coward to tell someone you don't support to their face that you don't. But it's also like, it's the other thing though of like, I have, I've made my mind up, but I love the attention that yes. you're focusing right. on me. Like that's you're right. The it's a, it's part, infinite you know? ego. It really is. And, and you know why I can tell you right now that that person was not a Bernie supporter is because that's not what the Bernie movement is. That's not what okay. Bernie supporters do. Like, you would be enthusiastic to run into a Bernie person. You would want to help if you were able to help. Somebody that has the infinite ego, that's definitely the title of the app. Um, infinite. Yeah. Yeah. Someone that has the infinite ego is not interested in anything but themselves. And I can tell you right now that makes them not a Bernie supporter. Well, because they're, they're I, not us. That's exactly you know, right. You know, yeah, to yeah. use the phraseology. So like yeah, that. so yeah. I don't care. I don't care who it was or who they were for. Like I mean, I talked to Trump people um, that were much more receptive to my message than the undecided people. Well, Trump people are easily swayed than the Buddha judge people. No, you know they're not easily swayed. Really? Like I don't think I got any um, Trump people obviously to vote in the Democratic primary. Yeah. I doubt they would vote for him in the general. But like they want to have a political conversation. Yeah, and a well, lot of they're them are tired of being like relegated to be to being basically like deplorables. Yeah, to being neglected. Yeah, and Bernie people are the only people that are going to come out and talk to them. Yeah, um, you know this happened to my sister. I wasn't around for it, but um, I was asking her because a lot of people are knocking on doors in yeah. Nevada. Obviously, like, what has your experience been with people that have come to your house? And she said, you know, I got four or five Bernie people and I got one Elizabeth Warren person. And when the Elizabeth Warren person came to my door, they asked who I was caucusing for. And I said, oh, you know, I'm caucusing for Bernie. And the Liz Warren person said, Bernie supporters are hard to convince. I'm going to leave. Well, 
And so if that gives you any idea of what other campaigns are like on the Democratic side, uh, you think a Liz Warren canvasser is going to go talk to a Trump supporter no. and try to convince them? No way. Oh, you like Trump? Okay, I will walk myself off of your property slowly and with my hands up. One of my most memorable interactions was, was with a Trump lady. It was her and her daughter, and they were outside just in her yard. Um which is the most intimidating thing as a canvasser. At yeah. least if you have to go up there and knock on the door, you have a minute to compose yourself yeah. or whatever. But I have to walk oh, right up there. Oh, they're out. Yeah. Um, and her daughter's like, I'm not going to vote. I'm definitely not going to vote. Just go talk to her. She might vote. And I said, okay. Do you know that that's such a thing in terms of a society that's like, uh, I'm not really here to make decisions. If it's a like family-based kind of it's like i don't make these decisions yeah yeah i i might like what you have to say but like i don't make the decisions well i Talk do over that i do know like, what oh. you mean and it, and it wasn't in this case it wasn't that although i ran into some of that where yeah. like there was the head of the household that yes. would speak for the house and like things. the weird traditional like head of household that's like we say this and even though everyone in the everyone around is like Bump well, up, the, bump up the volume on that. But like that—that's true. Like you experienced that for the first time ever. Well, I, I'll tell you what. Like an example of that that I ran into while I was out was I knocked on a door and um, a husband and wife and their daughter came to the door. That's too many people. Okay. Well, they, I think they had like just happened to be there. It okay. wasn't as if they answered yeah. the door collectively. They're not uh, NPCs. Like, um, oh, you knocked on the door. Hello. No, no, yeah. no. And it and it was the dad that I was talking to. This was my first day out canvassing, and so I'm trying to see who's a Bernie supporter, who's yeah. not. And he says, "Oh, I'm a Bernie supporter. I already voted." Um, and I said, "Well, who did you guys support?" And they kind of took a step back. This is the wife and the daughter, mm-hmm. and the dad says, "Oh, they both voted for Amy." <laughs> um. Okay. Which is an interesting illustration of like what America looks like and what yeah. people's politics are, you know? Yeah. Like ideologically, people are kind of incoherent. Like yeah. you can have a family that is, quote, liberal. They think Splitting. of themselves as Splintered, liberal, but yeah. it's like the ladies want a lady and the dad wants Bernie. Yeah. Um, but along the lines of the head of household speaking, that was very much the dynamic yeah. in that situation where like the father is going to speak for every voter in the household. And, yeah. you know, it was a very, po- it's not, yeah, it was a very positive interaction, but it speaks to that point. These Trump people now, when I walked up, the woman that said she wasn't voting, it wasn't because she didn't have authority. Okay. It was because I am a not a voter. I don't give a shit about politics. I don't want to hear about politics. I'm never going to vote in my life. Just fuck off with this. You might want to talk to my mom if you want to talk to anybody. Shit. You know. Actually, get mom out. I don't know. Well, um, I ran into a lot of people like that. The the most disheartening experiences canvassing were especially young people, but all people that were like, I'm never going to vote. There's nothing you can say. It doesn't matter. My vote doesn't count. Hold on. Sidebar. Yeah. The drinks that I went out tonight... When you said, if it's not Bernie, I'm not voting, Alex lost her mind. Really? Because she listened to the podcast. Yeah. And was like, I almost, it was like, I like Camper, but I wanted to throw hands because that is some bullshit. I was like, you Well, know what, what did she have to say about that? I'm and curious. It was, just like, it was just that. It was like, you know, like being militant and then just like, mm, if it's not this, I'm not voting. It's like, she's like, what the fuck? Like, we can't not do something else. I'm like, well girl like basically what i said was like i think that like the other options that you're outside of what we're living in like you know that's an inevitability she's like yeah fuck i know 
like we just kind of did that quick exchange of well well this is an interesting question actually because i was uh, on my way to canvassing my sister and my niece were in the car they were dropping me off yeah um and we were talking about a similar thing we were talking about the debate because it was the next day yeah and i was talking about michael bloomberg and what a disgusting like piece of filth i think he is please report it as pornography yes report all mike bloomberg ads as pornography on whatever platform you encounter them on but so It's, it's either lies or pornography pick one and then eh, just push it through it's fine but but so my 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 sister and i are talking about this and my six-year-old niece chimes up from the back seat and she goes (laughs) she goes no she goes well uncle chris why are you asking people to vote for your candidate if you won't vote in the general election Ooh, jatavia high five you know yeah Uh, um yeah and I was bitch. in a, and I was in a difficult <laughs> posi- and I was in a difficult position because honestly, on the fly like that to a child, um, a six year old is making you tremble. Yeah, good for her. Yeah, good. yeah, she's making me tremble worse than good any for Trump you. supporter. At good this for point. you, hippie child. Because, because high five. Y- you know, it's that it's that old thing of like if you can't explain your job to an eight year old, then you're a charlatan. And I'm feeling a lot of pressure to explain to Jatavia because you can't get into all the ins and outs of there's a leftist faction and there's a moderate faction. She doesn't understand any of this. She just understands that well, Your voting gay is important. uncle's roommate high fives you from yeah. beyond. Well, um, voting is important, so why are you asking people to vote for your guy but you won't vote for their guy? She's smart. And, yeah, she's very smart. Um, and I had to That's, ad- and I had to admit that's that very smart. I did not have an eloquent answer. All, you shouldn't. All, all I could well, I have an eloquent answer to adults, but to a yeah. child, I don't. No. W- what I said to her was like, Jatavia, I think Bernie Sanders is the best candidate. I think he represents real change. You're trying to sell and a six year old. I'm not trying to sell her. I'm just yeah. trying to. I'm just trying to simplify my worldview for a second. That's selling it. You know. Mm-hmm. And I said, listen, listen. I think he represents real change, and I think some of the other candidates don't. And she's like, fuck that. Because I can't even explain it. <laughs> yeah. Because I can't even explain to her that, like, I live in a different state where my vote counts for less. There's, like, all these ins and outs that she doesn't understand. But that, it's not awareness. It's not self-awareness. But, like, that kind of thing. I'm like, what the fuck are you, d-? again, I think the cornerstone of, like, what that interaction is, like, Uncle Chris, what the fuck are you doing here right now? Yeah, it was that. Like that's the actual like thing. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing here? Like, why, why are you trying? Not what are you doing, but it's like, what are you doing here? Right. At this point, you know, like, and that's fine for her to ask. But, but like, you, you know, the other thing was, and I, I want to give her parents, my sister and Josh, a lot of credit for this because Josh was a precinct captain, um, for Bernie in one of the precincts, not the one I worked, but um, another precinct in Nevada. So she is surrounded by. Uh, Bernie Sanders supporters. Yeah. Um, my sister's not as militant about it. She's been swayed by her husband and by me, but she mm-hmm. doesn't really care about politics. You know, um, she's basically been a non-voter her whole life. She also has a kid and is pregnant. So yes, like, she's whatever. she's very busy. She, it doesn't it doesn't matter. But yeah. what I was going to say is, much to their credit, um, they don't inundate her with this stuff. Jatavia is not indoctrinated to Bernie she Sanders. shouldn't be. She exactly. should not be. No, I she's think that child. I think that's very positive, and I think I think. In general, um, if the kid is asking you, like, why are you here and, like, why is this a thing? Like, honestly, like, that level of questioning is high level questioning. It is. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Good job. But, well, I, I, well, I just wanted to say that to make it clear that, like, she's not 
she's not some indoctrinated youth. She doesn't yeah. give a shit about this stuff because she's a child, and chi- children should be allowed to have a political, a politi- politics-free childhood. She got uh, vaccines. No. God damn it! But, that, but that's another. Fucking but that's Christ. another. That's another question for a different day. But, <gasps> but, but, but what I would what I would say to your friend Alex because I do think that's an important. No, point. you know Alex. I, yeah. Of course, yeah. I know, I know. But what I would say to her, especially if she's a listener, is like if a six year old has the same question that you have, you need to grow the fuck up. No. Yes. Um, no. Beca- because voting for Michael Bloomberg is much, much, much worse than not. She's voting. not going to do that. But like, she's she was just mad like that like if you're saying like if it's not bernie i'm not voting she was like no you have to do something like like it's that kind of like last gasp thing where it's like we can't do nothing well fine in response to that here's what i would say politics is not symbolic your morality is not symbolic seriously you want to talk to me about doing something well i up and did and i'm going to keep doing that well yeah i think so you know I think the main thing is anybody that, that thinks that just because they go to the booth on election day that they actually did something is out of their minds. I think the main thing is like like the what I understood was like you can't give up. If if your guy is not the guy like you can't give up. We have like whatever it is, like whoever's going to be like the guy or gal. Probably not. But whatever. Like you can't just not vote. Like, granted, like, we know that, like, in New York, like, it eh, doesn't really matter. Um, I just, like, you... Well, no, I mean... Well, you get what I'm saying, like... I do get I do get what you're saying, and I get what your friend is saying, but I think that that's nonsense. Like, I'm absolutely here, like, fighting for a cause I yeah. believe in that yeah. is giving a lot of hope to a lot of disaffected people, and if that somehow gets taken away from Bernie, or if he loses it, outright um i think i have every right to state my opinion which is i'm taking my ball and i'm going home and anybody that expects my vote better give me something to vote for yeah i'm not just voting against donald trump oh yeah so so if if that's what you're doing that's fine but just know that you're not being effective you're not standing up for anything. You're engaging in symbolic politics only, and you're the kind of person that's going to lose us the election. Mm, maybe uh, I don't know. Um, Look, so, I don't. I don't want to be too divisive about this, but I feel very yeah. strongly about that issue. I think if you live in in a place like New York that votes late, and your yeah. vote in the general doesn't really matter, yeah. If it's not Bernie Sanders, sit it out, man. Well, if you live in a swing state and it's not Bernie Sanders, and you're Bernie or bust, don't vote. That's fine. Well, no, if I, you don't, if you don't, if you don't want your friend to feel so bad, here's what I would say: is like Alex, I'm speaking to you directly now. Um, next time I see you, I would really like to talk about this. I would like to talk about it in person. Um, I can be really divisive in general, and mm-hmm. yes, I will be aggressive with you. But I promise you that I'm not out here to hurt anybody. And the uh, entire movement that I'm working for is that nobody be hurt. But I don't think you understand what's going on right now i think you're oh. misreading the situation and that's the and that's the last thing i'll say about that okay. All right. um i don't i don't want you to feel like anybody is against you no, nobody's no, against no. you no i no i don't think that's the case but i mean like you are a very good this is not a word but uh you're a very good protestalizer 
you know, you you spread the good word as you do. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, and you sell that pretty concretely. Like, I don't know. Like, you're good at it. Like, as much as, like, you throw it at me, like, I, you know, I know what I'm being sold. So, like, uh, whatever. Um, well, in a sense, I, I was very curious about what was going to happen tonight because you're the toughest audience for what anyone yeah you're the toughest audience for anyone but particularly for me because you know me very well and i also know you can't sell shit well it's again you're thinking too cut and dry about selling or not like what i saw in nevada was not that a bunch of people sold anything to anybody it was it was not a bill of goods no what it what it was was like complete solidarity from people all over the place um that overwhelmed a state. Yes. Um, and spread the good word. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I, again, I don't, when I say flippantly that you are evangelizing, which is the word that I used, like, you know what? Like, we are not at a place in, we're not, I mean, capitalism is at its full decline. But we are not at a place where, like, we can expect that anyone who thinks that they know better is better off. Like, I, like, I don't know. Like, I when I see like MSNBC collapse on itself in terms of what? Why did this guy win Nevada? It's like, well, because we're all tired of this shit. Like, we're all tired of this process that so keeps poor people poor. Like we cannot establish a media culture anymore that only like hypes up our media process. Like, I think that's insane. Like we can't do that anymore. There's no largesse in being the paper of record or even the, you know, the hype beast of record like that is gross like we are not good at that anymore it doesn't work well and and i I will tell you that sorry if i'm i know that that's being very no you're you're making we're not well we Uh, are not in a place where anything that seems programmatic or uh it's a program or it's also like just in terms of advert it becomes an advertisement process. Like that doesn't work anymore. Like, well, we the, know the flaws. In th- this is why I'm so antagonistic against the vote blue, no matter who crowd is because I basically think that that's a media construction. Yeah. Um, designed to insulate. Oh, you're looking at the table. So this is very low. Okay. Mm-hmm. I basically think that that's a media construction that's designed to insulate people that have, um, a limited amount of hardship in their life from the moral responsibility of helping people that have a lot of hardship in their life. Um, I mean, and I don't have that be, much actual hardship, but God, I'm broke. Exactly. Well, and, and so are a lot of the yeah. people that are, that are preaching to me about don't vote or about don't, don't vote, you know? Um, look, the world doesn't have to be this way. I spoke about this on our episode with Natalie, like yeah. presenting a powerful vision for the future is the only way to do anything right now. And 
well, the this, stasis well, that we're feeling has a lot to do with this re- this media relationship that you were talking about a second ago, which is there is no authority anymore. You can be the authority or you can let the right run away with the disaffected people that feel similarly. And you can let them have those people and make them reactionary and make them radicalized or you can bring them into a movement that has a lot to do with hope yeah. and hedging your bet. Is sucks is has nothing to do with that. That's self protective. That only protects you from feeling like you're not responsible for this inevitable downfall. So, what I think of is this old school Saul thing of like, if you don't have a way out, you're not worth thinking about. If you don't have an idea around, who cares? That sucks. That sucks. It's real because it's like, uh. If you don't have a proposition for the future, you're fucked. Like, yeah. if you if you can't propose the way out of the paper bag, we don't care about you. It's like, well, you know what? Like, the paper bag is there, and there's so many ways out of it. But like, how do we find the right way? Well, the the where's the seam that we need to bust correctly? Exactly. And the hegemony of the last thirty years has been all about tinkering with the paper bag. We're trapped in the paper bag, and there's nothing... It's five seams. And there's nothing we can do about it. Let's just pick at each thread of the seam until we um, finally make our way to a better world. But you know what that's led to is just absurd nihilism. Nothing. Um, You know, the outright rise of a new type of fascism, Mm -hmm. um, the oppression of the working class and the poor, and people dying because they can't pay their bills. Um, The Bernie Sanders movement has... Everything to do with rupturing the seam in the right way. It doesn't even have to be about the Bernie Sanders movement. Yes, it does. No, yes, it, has, it does. It has more to do with the fact that there's a generation of people who are truly underserved, undercared for, and will destroy any sense of forward progress because they will just crumble. Yeah, well, but of course that has to do with the Bernie Sanders movement because this is the first time there's ever been a way out of this. Well, and and I can and I can tell you right now that I have no doubt in my mind that we are going to win the Democratic primary and that we are going to win the general election because I was there with people from all over the world. Yeah, um, I was a site leader at one of the For Tom. At one of the uh, no, I was a site leader for Bernie at one of the uh, Nevada caucus sites, and my assistant site leader was a guy named Moto from Tokyo. Yeah, who came out at great expense to himself for no other reason than he doesn't understand. He cannot conceptualize not having universal health care. <laughs> well, yeah, he was donating his time to Americans because to him this is a third world situation. <laughs> I met two people from Berlin that can echo the same line. I met people from all over the country. I'm not kidding you. It was the greatest thing I've ever done in my entire life and the greatest display of solidarity I've ever seen. People with social anxiety that have never done anything like that before. Um, You know, I was telling you last night that, like, I thought my problems were big. They're not. I realize now that they were mostly self-inflicted. Yeah. And that they're really cute. I met a woman from Washington who survived two domestically abusive relationships, and she went to her therapist, and her therapist Sweetie, told her, no. are you going to lean into fear, or are you going to lean into hope? Because she said to him, 
I want to do something about this. I love Bernie Sanders. That's the only thing I can Wait, think that's of. that's all she... Okay. Because she... You know what else she told me? She has no friends outside of the internet. What? Yeah. Oh. Oh, sweet. And her f- internet friends were all Bernie supporters, and she got into the movement that way. And so oh. she drove down to Las Vegas, and she was at my caucus site as well. She was an out-of-state observer. She couldn't really help. But she was out there with us with signs. She was recruiting I, people. She was around. I mean, I met people like this from Baby, everywhere. if you want a friend, just email the thing or do the DM. Because, like, sweetie, like, that should not be your life. Like, no. Like, well, but that's... We care about you. Like, if you're escaping that, like, come on. Like, like you met this dude for, like, five minutes. But, like, no. We are... Mm, but that's what I'm saying, man. This movement is bringing people like that yeah. into the fold. But, like, they should not be alone. And uh, you know what? It's making them not be alone. Good. Not that we should be the like, I sat at a table with her <laughs> and a guy from Japan, Yeah, two people from Phoenix, a mm. black guy from Las Vegas, and that was the Bernie Sanders table for dinner. That's ideal. Yeah. And I think that's where we should cut it off. That... To have a coalition of basically a Benetton catalog, quite frankly, works for me. It really was. So. Yeah. And a rainbow came out. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm dead serious. Did a rainbow come out and then velvet pants? We finished the caucus. We went to dinner with that group of people. A rainbow came out. It had been raining all day. We got in the car. And then a bear jacked off on all to go to the (laughs) To go to the watch party. And somebody checked their phone, and they called the Nevada caucus for Bernie Sanders with 4% reporting. And now, as we sit here tonight... I don't have a bear. 89% reporting. 47, yeah. No, 89% reporting, and Bernie Sanders won 47% of the vote. Well, I don't know. I just want to be nice. Anybody anybody that's listening to this right now, Will's feeling really cunty because he's had too much to drink. No. Yeah. That's definitely true. Whatever. Um, and I know n- we've been a little serious for most people's taste, but I want serious, but, yeah. but I, but I want to say it was the best thing I ever did in my life. If anybody's out there that is feeling similarly, if you're disaffected, if you're atomized, if you're no, isolated, please call him up and take him away from me. Cause I really enjoyed having my apartment to myself. Yeah. Well, take him away. If you want Will to have the apartment to himself, I'll go canvas with you. Yeah. I'll go call with you. I'm going to try to get this motherfucker to do the same thing. Yeah, and, and I'll get he, laid. It'll be great. If he can do it, anybody can do it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. I'll I'll suck a dig until someone says that they can't, you know, pull for Bernie, and then I'll just, like, bite down on their head. So. Hey, <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> uh, you think it's a joke? Um, Anyway. Anyway, we'll end the episode, but I do have not plugs, but I have shout-outs. We're shouting out. I have, mm. I have mad shout-outs. We have to shout-out our dear friends who did the job who came out in force and did it well from the northwest las vegas office adam jesse and Derek, wes and rice my two official precinct captains at Alaska high school don't worry about it yeah I don't know um, these people. they crushed it they did well karina jim dennis and lucas all people we recruited on the spot to oh, be you precinct have a, captains you have, a, you have a list at the caucus they did an amazing job laura from la was the second site lead at my spot i couldn't have done it without her was she hot um yeah she was mm. hot girl you looked really good at the victory party hit me up if you hear this oh boy uh, who who is the whale Catherine, tail girl because 
Well, hang on. Okay. Uh, well. Catherine and Sal from Phoenix. Jacqueline Sal? from Washington. Moto from Tokyo. And for me, most importantly, my mom, Jordan Castle, my sister, Jess, Josh, who was a precinct captain, and my dad. Um, we all helped in that victory. You're not getting an Oscar, bitch. So I don't know. Okay, you know, fine. in a way, I feel like I have. Okay. Well. Let's knock them down. All right, so I just want to say a great gratitude to Erica Hickel, who took a moment together because we were both tired. I sound sincere. You sound like Anne Hathaway. Duh. It really came true. Fuck you. (laughs) Yeah, I needed Erica Hickel here to make the episode happen because otherwise I wouldn't have an episode to put out. So I greatly appreciate that. And also, Natalie, bish! And that's all we have to say, because you know what that means. Anyway, guys, <laughs> thanks for listening. Bernie 2020. Absolutely burn it down, not whoever. <sighs> We're going to hash this out. Now you've... Now you've uh, bought yourself at least another politics episode where I'm going to confront you about your cowardly rhetoric. I killed the chain dream. (laughs) 